0: This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and a podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode.
1: Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, the official podcast of Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Southwestern Indiana. Together, we will embark on a journey of mentorship, connection, and the life-changing power of relationships.
0: Each episode, we will learn from authentic conversations with bigs, littles, experts in the field of mentoring, and other defenders of potential. Whether you are a seasoned mentor, a curious listener,
1: or someone considering joining this incredible community, kick back, unwind, and come along for the ride.
0: Now... Here's our executive director, Ryan Scott. Hello? And welcome back to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Thank you so much for clicking that play button and joining us today. Um, I'll tell you, this episode, I've got one of my favorite deadheads in the building. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I've got Miss Lindsay Jensen, who was the Illinois 2018 Teacher of the Year. Um, and since that time, she has continued advocating for education, um, advocating for you know, um, student teachers and, and the, the, the the pipeline for educators. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just excited to welcome Lindsay Jensen to the building. Lindsay, thank you for being on the Big Ed Idea podcast. Well,
1: Thanks for having me, Ryan. I was fortunate enough to get to do this with you a couple of years back, and I'm excited to be back with new updates and perspectives to share. I appreciate the invitation very much. Thank you.
0: Well, you know, as I was uh, transitioning into this new phase of life, moving out of education world and into nonprofit world, um, I love how the universe aligns. I was able to completely rebrand this uh, podcast that I had created during COVID. And the way the world works or the way the universe works, I was able to use the same name. Um, And so one of the first people that I knew I wanted to bring back Was you because you definitely have um, a a good take on mentoring, specifically on how it impacts our um, up and coming teachers.
1: Yeah. And I'm really passionate about that as well. Um, you know, I know we'll get into the work and all of that, but sure, sure. I think this is a time where, you know, there are so, there's so much negative rhetoric surrounding our profession. You know, young people are being told it's Armageddon. The kids are terrible. The parents right. and families are worse and, and admit admin doesn't get it. Policymakers don't get it. And it's like, there's just so much um, negative yeah, rhetoric. Yes. Yeah. And um, I think that we as a profession have a responsibility to the next generation to really shed some light on the wonderful things about being an educator, even though you know there are always things we can, we can fix. And while I tend to live in the world of recruitment, I definitely know that recruitment and retention issues go hand in hand. And we work on that a lot in the policy world. But um, I have never once regretted my decision to become an educator despite everything. And I say that as an educator who taught through COVID and um, you know, I know it's a different world now, but I still see so much hope in the future of our profession. And we owe it to these young people to support them on their path and their journey into the profession and Amen. to help them navigate some of that negativity. So, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Amen. Definitely. Um, Yeah. You know, we have a ton to talk about, um, but Lindsay, you know, I'm a connection guy. So we got to <laughs> do, yes, we got to do connections before content Yes, um, because my folks that are listening, here's the thing um from from my 16 years in education um, if you did not connect with your students, they were not going to be listening or their their hearts and their minds were not going to be in the content. And so I've really taken that to heart, especially with with this podcast. And so before we get into the meat of the episode, we want to figure out um, kind of a little more about who Lindsay is and connect with her on a personal level. Um, and so, yeah. My, my, my first thing for you, Lindsay, is I asked you to bring three words that describe life right now.
1: Hmm. So I went with, um, I'm going to go with wonderfully and beautifully chaotic, Ooh. Ooh. wonderfully, beautifully chaotic. That is life right now. Um, I feel like I've got my hand in a lot of different things, all of which I hope will make life better for the next generation of our profession. But it currently feels wonderfully, beautifully chaotic and maybe even a little wonderfully, beautifully overwhelming as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so so what I love about this, Lindsay, is that you put a little positivity on something that, you know, we could be could view as a negative as, as far as being overwhelmed or being super busy, but I think uh your positivity comes from you know that you are doing something uh worthwhile.
1: Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. So, okay, positively and wonderfully chaotic. Yeah, I could mm-hmm. I could attest to that. I I, I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, but to take it a little bit deeper, tell our listeners so we know uh Lindsay is a an educator. She was a teacher of the year. She's a policy advocate. Um, but who is Lindsay outside of the professional world?
1: Sure. So, I'll, I mean, I do feel like ever, anybody who knows me says I eat, sleep and breathe education. So I feel like that's weaved into all of my personal too, my passions sure. and all of that. But I'm definitely um, an avid reader and a writer. Um, I'm a musician. So definitely a creative. I all the things I taught in my classroom: poetry, drama, theater, all the good stuff. Um, I love all of those kinds of things. I'm also an activist, so um, I feel like you know, I I feel like this is such a beautiful time of the year where there's such beautiful theater happening and, and and hopeful messages celebrating, you know, the holidays and. Um, I really like this time of year as a creative, and I actually got to go into the city last week, into Chicago for a couple of days, and just bask in the beauty of the city <laughs> and see a Christmas carol. Oh, and,
0: nice. Um,
1: yeah, so I like all the, I'm a creative and, and a musician, and as you mentioned earlier, a deadhead. You I are. um I do like to go catch the dead every summer uh, with my buddies, Ben and Josh. We actually met in Colorado last year um, and got to see them in Colorado, which was amazing. Um, So love me, love me some Grateful Dead.
0: (laughs) So I had heard or I came across my Instagram feed that they had looked at doing a residency out at Las Vegas at that new sphere thing. Oh my
1: Lord. Can you even imagine? Oh my
0: God. That would be... (laughs) quite an experience
1: it would be an experience yes
0: <laughs> so i've got to tell you i was i actually thought about this is kind of funny so i was cooking burgers the other night mm-hmm. um out in the garage and i was playing um not the dead, but uh dave matthews mm-hmm. um the dave matthews tim reynolds um album from their live show and i was just jamming out grilling burgers thinking to myself man this is some good music i bet lindsay would love this <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's all, you know, I, sometimes I think, I think like this, this, and, and this is me showing my yeah, age, right. but like, there's so much great music, like from the past. And I kind of, I sit and think like the stuff that the kids are listening to today, 30 <laughs> years from now, are they going to be like, like, that was it. That was a jam. Right. Yeah, or, yeah, cause I do find a lot of them really love listening to the stuff we grew up on sure. and the stuff that our parents grew up on. Sure. So I guess, I guess time will tell, but yeah. I'm a big lover of all, I'm very, very eclectic music taste, but definitely when I need to like relax, chill out, cooking with it in the background, mm-hmm. I love to go, love to go to the dead. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I get it. I get it. Okay. So now that we know Lindsay, um, she's definitely a creative. Um, she's an advocate. She's a, a, she's a connector. I know she's a connector. Um, so now that we know that, so this whole, um, rebranded podcast, you know, is all about mentoring. Um, I would say, you know, one of the things I like to say is nobody gets to where they're going in life without somebody helping them along the way. Um, and so I've asked you today, if you were looking back and saying, you know, there was this person absolutely helped me become who I am today. Who would that be? And let's give them a shout out.
1: Oh, I love this. I love this question. Um, because I'm such a believer in mentoring and I actually, I'll keep it short, but I, I you know, I couldn't just name one. Okay. Yeah. Um, there were, th- there were three that came to mind. So the first was my mother and I won't rant and ramble on about my mother, but my mother grew up in a very large family, very poor. She was the first to graduate high school, eventually go to college. And she was someone who always really instilled in me that education is the one thing they can't take away
0: Absolutely. from you.
1: And at the time, you know, when I was little, I didn't really know what who that proverbial they was, but I've definitely learned as I've gotten older, you know, the power of, of education and how empowering that can be. So um, mom was definitely a big advocate for that early on and got to give her props. Um, also. I remember um I always loved school and I think part of that is because I had such a wonderful transition into school because of my kindergarten teacher and second oh, grade teacher yeah. Mrs. Yeah. Lowry okay and early on in my she was just so wonderful and really felt like a second mother to all of us and you know transitioning to school is scary and I just remember that as an early career ed- educator I would constantly think back about her classroom and like, what were the components? What were the characteristics of her classroom and and the climate she created that made us all feel so loved and safe? Um, And I really tried to replicate a lot of those things in my high school classroom because high school students want the same thing. They want to feel loved, seen, heard, valued. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, So she was certainly instrumental, um, you know, in me thinking about the kind of educator I wanted to be. And then finally, um, you know, during those early years, I would not have survived the first six years without the veteran teachers in my building who were still on fire for education and in love with education. I always say Jackie Fraley, Betty Gansert, Barb, Patton, uh, Mary Pfeiffer. These are all retired teachers now. And if you're not in Dwight, Illinois, you probably don't know their names, but when I say they, you know, saved me and really gave me a lot of opportunities to, we'd always get together on a Friday for what we call r and a little rest and relaxation. <laughs> yeah. But it was this really safe, informal space where I, as a new novice teacher, could sit with them and share my fears, my frustrations, my failures from the week. And they were just so supportive and it was, it didn't go on an evaluation. It wasn't a formal setting. Um, I, I learned that it was okay to be human from these women and that part of great teaching involves failing and and learning and reflecting and learning from those experiences. And so um, they were just so supportive. And when I look back on early on in my career about, you know, man, how did I make it through all that when it, there were days, it felt like I was just t- constantly pushing the boundaries of what a 24 hour day could hold. They were just really supportive and instrumental and I just remember looking to them constantly and thinking they've got it all figured out. Like they don't break a sweat and I want to be that someday, you know? (laughs) So, um, they were so nurturing, um, of me early on in my career. And I always want to make sure I mention um, those amazing women who just took me under their wing and made me feel like I wasn't alone in the profession. So, yeah. yeah.
0: And, And I love that because I, you know, as a former educator, I remember, um, my first year stepping in, just feeling woefully inadequate Um, or probably, you know, I don't know if that ever stopped, but, but I do remember uh, this teacher, Mrs. Cummings across the hallway. And I just remember circling up with her every day after school and just like, you know, thinking about what happened that day and asking her questions. And, and um, you know, what I love about this conversation, Lindsay, as we start to transition is that, you know, mentoring is so powerful for kids. But what I what I think you're going to bring to the table today is that mentoring is just as powerful in the workplace, and specifically for our educators.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: And so, you you and I were talking earlier. You know, you've been involved in recruitment with uh, the state of Illinois and educators and stuff. And so, talk to us and talk to the listeners about you know how is mentoring. Um, how do you use or how do you um, advocate for mentoring in the education setting?
1: Sure. So, so I'll start off by just kind of talking about my work to give yeah, some context. Sure. So, for sure, I work with three buckets um, of 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 the future of our profession. So, the first is I run our Educators Rising statewide program, oh, yeah. which is a high school. And middle school program to for students and for districts to either have a club model, an extracurricular model, or some actually, um, you know, they, they offer curriculum and uh, courses where kids can explore careers and education. Okay. And I'm a huge advocate and believer in that. And so I get to... Um, I also plan our state conference. Our first one, we had fifty students. Our next year, we had three hundred fifty. Last year, we had eight hundred, and we're projected to have around fourteen hundred students at our state conference this year. So when people say you guys are killing it, well, we haven't. We, you know, the work doesn't. It never ends. But when people say that young people aren't interested in teaching or aren't interested in education. I'm just real quick to go. You know, I'll call BS because yeah, yeah. That, uh, you know, something happens along the way that detracts them or did de- de- it de- you know, deters them from finishing up or you know, staying in the career beyond 3 to 5 years and we'll get into all that. But um so that's that's part one is really supporting and also I think a lot of times when we have recruitment conversations about high school students, we fail to include the people in those conversations who are the most uniquely positioned to market and share the joy and love of our profession with young people, and that is teachers and, yeah. and, and ESPs. So including them in the and leading this work and mentoring students in middle school and high school um, and capitalizing on their expertise has been just wonderful and it's been a great model. I also run our aspiring ed program. And that's for college students and educator prep programs throughout the state. Um, we do a lot of, you know, they're getting a lot of, um, you know, methodology, pedagogy, content standards, you know, in all of their classes. Sure. So we do a lot of focusing on some of the other. The other parts of mentoring and and so things like, you know, educator quality, we offer different professional development experiences for them. Um, one of the things we're focusing on right now is voices for honest education and how do you, how can we offer PD that lets them think about, you know, how can we teach true history and also protect ourselves as, you know, t- non-tenured teachers and et cetera. Um, we do a lot of work around political action, kind of teaching them about, while you might not think you're interested in the world of policy, ed policy is interested in you and it will impact your classroom and your students. So we try to get them thinking about that. Um, we also do a lot of work around, um, you know, community um, involvement, community engagement, and then, of course, um, social justice, you know, getting them to think about what that looks like in the classroom so that every student feels valued and seen and affirmed and heard. Um, and then my final bucket, I work with early careers, so um, educators in years one through 10 throughout the state. We plan professional development for them. We do a ton of coaching and mentoring, um, IEA, whom I work for. I'm I, By the way, I, my title is uh, Early Career Development and Aspiring Ed Director we do offer a virtual coaching and mentoring program for them as well. Um, And I think that networking piece, just being able to, I I hate to say commiserate because that sounds so negative, but sometimes, you know, it is, you do need a safe space to go, y'all, I really failed today. And it's so affirming to hear someone else go, I failed today too. And let's talk about it, you know, and how do we make it better for our kids and improve this lesson or this unit. And so um. So those are kind of my 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 buckets, but I really believe in supporting the future of our of our profession like every step of the way. And I kind of that's how my work is kind of broken down. Um but when I think about, you know, about true coaching and mentoring, it's it's I always say there are four Cs. We consult, we collaborate, we coach, and we keep it confidential, right? Yeah. So consult, yeah. collaborate, coach, confidential. And you know, when I think there, I think there's a lot of inconsistency when it comes to coaching and mentoring programs from building to building. And I think it would be really worthwhile for everyone, you know, administrators and teacher leaders to take a look at your coaching and mentoring, because it, it is more important now than ever before. And I think that really taking a hard look at what are we doing to offer support systems to new teachers? Um, how are we celebrating their successes and their wins? How are we, you know, because the typical um, kind of continuum of a first year teacher is like anticipation, right? Excitement to start. And,
0: and then, then you get there.
1: <laughs> and then you get there. Yeah. And then it's survival mode, right? right? Which we've all been there. Oh, yeah. And then I always think this is a really important piece. And I remember exactly when it happened for me in my first year of teaching, um, disillusionment, yeah. where... You start to realize, you know, I think a lot of times when we think about teaching and and we think about the things that we can control within the four walls of our classroom, but there comes a point in everyone's journey where you go, there's a lot happening beyond the four walls of my classroom that impacts my classroom and most importantly, my students. So getting them to think about the structures that are in place and and you know how they can be a part get a seat at the proverbial table to hopefully remedy some of that disillusionment where you're not always feeling like you're at the mercy of decisions that are being made, being made for you, right? Yeah. Which takes time. And then um, I always say at the end, they ha- go through some rejuvenation. Maybe that's when holiday breaks come around and they have a second to breathe. Um, and then the most important piece should be reflection. And I'm really, really big on this clinical supervision model where, you know, when we go in and we are observing new teachers, Um, that reflection piece on their part is so important, right? And that it should never be, well, I noticed you did this and that's not how I would have done it. You know, it needs to be, so I noticed you did this. Talk to me about that choice. Talk to me about how you think that went. Um, How do you think the kids responded? I think, that kind of process to mentoring rather than, you know, it should be a dialogue. It shouldn't be a monologue. And when we are coaching and mentoring new educators, we need to keep in mind that when we go into these conversations with them, it should be a dialogue about their progress, their successes, their failures, if they're open to sharing. Um, it should never be a monologue where, you know, there's this, this hierarchy of, you know, power and, um, we just, it should just be an environment of support. So yeah, those are kind yeah. of my thoughts on all, no, of, all of that. <laughs> no,
0: I love that. And I have a couple, you know, reflections on that. The, sure. the one piece you talked about, you know, there comes a comes a part where, you know, our locus of control. So mm-hmm. the things that we can control within the classroom. And uh, yeah, I definitely remember that moment where, you know, mm-hmm. you, have, you have this microcosm in your classroom that you can mm-hmm. control, but you can't control the stress that are that little Johnny's coming into the classroom mm-hmm. with, you can't control, you know, the fact that you know one of your students mm-hmm. didn't sleep at all last night because of domestic violence, or, mm-hmm. and I guess what 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 really struck strikes me is that you know the mission of Big Brothers and Big Sisters, um, really what we are, what I see us being able to do, especially if we're able to pair a big with a little in the classroom is, um, those relationships that we're helping to create helps to create a, a more confident, um, child that hopefully when they're in that educational setting, um, because I think sometimes we ask the teachers to do everything, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. change, change the, the, the whole kid in order to get the the, the academic growth and all of that stuff. And so I just see an organization such as us um, really helping um, inside the walls of the school. So that's my first takeaway. Um, and then my, my second, I guess, is more of a question. So you've been in this in the trenches for what, four years now, three, four years?
1: Well, so teaching—I've been teaching for oh gosh, oh, oh, well I'm, over sixteen years. I but I've been working for IEA now right, for right. about three years, okay. really doing this work. Yes, so you're That's, right, about three years, and it's a different world. It really is totally different. But, world. Yeah, but
0: mm-hmm. have you seen? So you mentioned, um, you know, coaching and mentoring mm-hmm. from a from an administrator standpoint, or maybe even from a school process standpoint. Have you seen any? uh, you know, I hate to say system, but have you seen anything that's just really working in, in a school in, in regarding mentoring, coaching, that kind of stuff?
1: Yes. And I'm actually, I wasn't anticipating going down this direction, but it just came to me and I want to make sure I give a shout out to Matthew Portel, uh, yeah. Tennessee. Absolutely. Um, yeah. He, you know, one of the things that struck me when I met Matthew, um, Cause we, I actually met him, um, at an NEA event he was speaking and I was just so taken aback by, um, as an administrator, how aware he was of what it was to be teaching in a classroom in like modern day and these times and in under, you know, pre COVID COVID post COVID, um, you know sometimes i feel like the, the the experts that talk at us they're you know you ask them when you, when was the last time you were in a classroom and they say well i taught for 3 years and i've been Ten now years been an, ago. and i've been an administrator for like 12 and it's like yeah. well that's great we need great administrators but um so so one of the things that really struck me about Matthew um and there is actually an edutopia yes, there video is. of him where he he has the same care and concern that we show for students he shares for his staff and and the educators in his building and he really did they did an overhaul where you know he is definitely somebody who's very passionate about sel and social emotional learning before it was this buzzword in education pre-covid Yep. Um, and he very much takes the mental health of his staff, and because let's be honest, I mean, I don't sugarcoat it to the new, the up and coming educators I work with. Like in this role, you are very uniquely positioned to witness things like trauma, abuse, neglect, or maybe you just have a really long, hard day. And um, I think something we're hearing a lot from the field currently is that you know, educators aren't okay all the time and that's okay. And I I just remember him being someone who they had really come up with this model where they were teaching kids how to express their big emotions, but also providing reflection time for their feelings. And I feel like that same commitment, um, you know, he really devotes to his staff to really give them time to unpack, you know, chaotic days. And um, I just remember being so impressed by, his commitment to caring for his staff as well as the students whom he serves so
0: yeah i had uh i i know matt um i'm actually planning on having him on
1: he is great um, he is he great he really is he really he, really is
0: he's going to come on and we're going to talk about paces um positive uh childhood experiences as the mitigating mm-hmm. factor for aces so yeah completely mm-hmm. love him love him love him so um we have talked a lot about mentoring um Why are up and coming educators, you know, need intentional, focused mentoring? Um, But I want to divert and I want you to talk about this really cool program that the state of Illinois is starting to pilot. And I don't even know if it's just Illinois, but I want to say it's only Illinois that is talking about this right now. But it is paid, paid student teaching Yes. So please let's get on that topic for a second.
1: So, and, and I could talk about this forever, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep it <laughs> concise. So I will say, um, you know, Michigan got it done last year. Okay. A lot of other States are following suit and recognizing the inequities within our profession. You know, let's be clear in other professions, young people are supported financially with paid internships, yep, you know, yep. on their journey to professions. And I don't think we have spent enough time we use, we throw out words like equity and education all the time, but we don't think about things. No. like What if you're a student whose parents or family can't afford to support you for a semester when you're asked to not work, but do work for yep. free, actually you're yep. paying to do that work as a student teacher, but I digress. You know, some students, they can be placed an hour, hour and a half away. What if they don't have transportation? What about housing? What if they yep. need housing? Um, you know, I, I think, this is a an equity issue in our profession if we if we, if we want people to be to choose education we have to make it feasible for everyone to do so and so in addition to offering a free high school curriculum to public schools all throughout the state to start their own grow your own programs because 60% of teachers teach within 20 miles of where they grew up at the college level. So we want we want equitable access in terms of exploring the profession in high school sure. um, and making that more equitable by offering free curriculum to them through Ed Rising. But then also in college, we are really advocating. It's very much a part of our legislative platform this year to really start exploring paid student teaching and paying these student teachers um, a stipend um, to help support and, and, and offset some of those costs that they incur whenever they're working. And so I really believe in treating it as a paid internship for the work that they're hard work that they're doing um, and, and making it, you know, many are encouraged not to work and those who do, and, you know, they're, they're, they're certainly overwhelmed and, that's a time when they should be able to devote their full, their full selves to student teaching and to that experience. So, um, so that's something that we're, we're definitely exploring and working on. I, I do know that everything in the world of policy and moves at a glacial pace. Oh, for that, sure. Uh, we're hopeful. Um, there are a lot of partners in the state who are very committed to helping to get this across the finish line. So I know we're going to get it done. It's just a matter of when. So
0: I, I got to tell you, Lindsay, this is a, a topic I'm, I take very, very personally. So I was a non-traditional student. I didn't graduate till I was 27. Um, and in that stage of my life, uh, you know, I had a house payment. Um, I was telling you, I was working three jobs at the time when I was student teaching. So I was, uh, let's see, I was bartending Wednesday, mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday nights. Oh, uh, my word. Um, I was selling copiers. Um, well, no, at that time, yeah, yeah, I was selling copiers. I was bartending at night, and then on the weekends, I was cleaning pools just to make the ends meet to put myself through college, but also to raise a daughter and do all of that stuff. So I can completely, completely um, understand, you know, what what you're talking about here. If if you know, it had been a paid, I definitely probably would have been able to pay attention a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, maybe you know, get a little bit deeper in the conversations with my teacher, not mm-hmm. not be so tired at school. Yeah. Um, but I love that idea. And uh, fingers crossed, it rolls out in this next legislative session. Thank so, you. But yeah, I love that idea. It's...
1: Thank you. We're we're really passionate about that. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, and, and to people who say, well, we didn't get paid student teaching. What you're <laughs> essentially saying is, well, I struggled. So why shouldn't they, yeah. which is a mindset that I'll never subscribe to. Nope. So nope. Uh, for the most part, everybody though has been really supportive and sees this as a really necessary, um, you know, legislative platform to to tackle. So that's, that's right. what we're going to do. I love it.
0: I love it. <laughs> I love that people Thank are you. continuing to fight for those educators that are Um, doing so, so much sometimes on so, so little. So, um, okay. So as we start to really wind this podcast down, you know, we've talked a lot about, a lot about, um, educator mentorship, particularly for our new teachers, um, Mm -hmm. how our veteran teachers are just rock stars when it comes to helping the new, um, you've talked about your roles in educator, um, recruitment in Illinois. Um, so yeah, but be- before we leave, um selfishly, I'm gonna ask you, yeah. um, I'm gonna be selfish for a little bit, but <laughs> I want to ask you if there was somebody that I needed to reach out to in this space. So whether it's, you know, an expert mm-hmm. on mentoring, um maybe somebody that is killing mentoring program um and maybe a building they're doing or an organization. Um, or it could be somebody who is studying um, an issue that is keeping kids from reaching their potential. Who would that person hmm. be?
1: So I'm, I'm going to give you three. Okay. Um, so the first, and I think you might know my girl, Kimberly Radistitz. So Kimberly oh. was the 2020, so I was 2018, Kimberly's the 2022 Illinois Teacher of the Year, and she is so passionate about Mentoring, coaching and mentoring. Oh. Illinois. Um, and she runs a program for new teachers um and and is just so 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 invested in helping to support them as they transition into the you know the the profession. So Kimberly Radistitz, she's amazing. Um Jenny Forcucci out of Delaware. She's a dear friend of mine and the 2018 Delaware Teacher of the Year. She's doing a ton of work in Delaware around diversifying the profession, examining barriers to the profession for all students, and really trying to make systems in Delaware more equitable for people to choose teaching. Okay, okay. So, Del- uh, Jenny Fercucci Cor- is amazing and a dear friend. And then finally, um, uh, Kimberly Re- or Kim- uh, Kimberly Eckert, Kimberly Eckert out of Louisiana. Kim is just, um, an educator extraordinaire. If you talk to her for two minutes, you just fall in love because she just eats, sleeps and breathes this work as well, but she is really moving mountains and has done so much in Louisiana to make access into our profession, more equitable for students in Louisiana and beyond. Um, I would highly recommend reaching out to Kimberly Eckert, 2018 Louisiana teacher of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Love it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, Ms. Lindsay, as always, it has been um, a lot of fun today connecting with uh, a fellow educator, fellow uh, creator, a fellow um, music person. Um, you know, I just want to tell you as a, as a former educator, and, you know, I, I still say I'm in education. I'm still helping mm-hmm. kids, still mm-hmm. uh, protecting the potential of all kids. I just want to tell you, thank you um, for pouring into the younger teachers, because like I said earlier, you know, there was tons of doubt going into education. Um, but those people that had been in it really helped me along the way. So thank you for valuing mentoring in education.
1: Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. And, um, I look forward to the next chat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So to my listeners, before I leave you, I just want to tell you once again, it is completely um, so incredible that you are listening to this conversation today. We appreciate you so much uh, here at Big Brothers Big Sisters. We do not do, we cannot do what we do without folks like you coming along and walking alongside us. So I'm going to leave you all in the immortal words of John Janowski, the best grandfather anybody ever had. Um, Until I see you next time, I will see you in the funny paper. If you've found value in our discussions and believe in the power of mentorship, please consider contributing to our mission. Your financial support plays a crucial role in what we do. To make a contribution, visit our website at www.mentoringkids.org. Every donation, big or small, goes a long way in helping us to defend the potential of all kids within our six county footprint. Once again, thank you for being a part of this community. Your support means the world to us. Together, we can create a ripple effect of positive change. Stay inspired, stay motivated, And remember, we are better together.